the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. I urge you, therefore, brothers, through the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your logical service. When we are brought into right relationship with God, when we are saved, when we are rescued, when we are born again because of what Christ has done for us, we're grateful. Our relationship with God has changed. We are no longer enemies of God, but of children, and of children heirs, and of heirs co-heirs with Jesus Christ. I can see the promised land, though there's pain within the plan. There is victory in the end. Your love is my battle cry, the answer for all my life. Dragon will fall, the mountains will move, every chain of the past you've broken into, all the fear of the lies, we're singing the truth, that nothing is impossible with you. Hello and welcome to the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so grateful that you've joined us today for the broadcast, and as we always do, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith continues with his study through the Book of Romans with a series of messages he's entitled, Changed Relationships with God. So if you have your Bibles... Please turn with us today to the book of Romans, chapter 12. Now, here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Father, we thank you that we can gather today in this meeting house as your church. Lord, we know that buildings are buildings and people make the church. And we, as your people today, want to worship you and the beauty of your holiness. So, Lord, as we look into your word, change us. Renew our minds, transform us from the inside out, that we could reach this community for Christ, seeing this world changed one soul at a time through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us, therefore, not to be just hearers of the word, but doers. For the glory of God, for the good of others, and for our own growth, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you haven't already, uh, turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. We're looking at verses 1 and 2. Uh, This... We're in a larger series called Understanding the Faith, and we are in a subset called Changed. And this is about relationships, how a relationship with Jesus Christ changes all of our other relationships. And one of the first ways that it changes our relationships is our relationship with Him through worship. Salvation changes our relationship with God through worship. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And that really begs the question, what is worship? People have all kinds of ideas about that, about what worship is, and there is a ton of confusion about that. 
by way of example, in some churches, I've seen it where a pastor would be giving a talk, sort of like a TED talk with Bible verses, and behind him is a guy standing in front of a canvas with paintballs, throwing them up against the canvas, and they call that worship, each little explosion of paint and color. Was that worship? I was at a funeral service several years ago, and as the service began, you had, of course, the, the casket with the person in it, and a, a young lady comes out in a tutu, all in white, and dances around the casket to a dirge, to a funeral song. And I remember people in the audience gasping. I think some were surprised because that wasn't what they expected. And others were surprised because she was about nine months pregnant and they didn't know whether she was going to make it through the whole event. Was that worship? Is that worship? And so today we take up the subject of worship and how our relationship with God changes our worship. We are in Romans chapter 12 of our study, and just for those of you who have been here with us just for today or just the last few weeks, if you're a first-time visitor, we've been working our way systematically through the book of Romans, and organizationally speaking, Romans chapters 1 through 11 are principles, are the principles of Christianity. It's theology, and as Vince Lombardi said, theology isn't everything, it's the only thing, because it's the study of God. So we've tried to understand our faith from Genesis to Revelation as summarized in the first 11 chapters of Romans. Romans chapter 12 through 16 is application of those principles, how we worship God intelligently according to his will. And Romans chapter 12 through 16 is a picture of that. So we have the principles and we have the practice. And it begins... Romans chapter 12 begins talking about worship. It's sort of the, if you think of Romans as two triangles, one upside down and one right side up, you come here and in the middle is Romans 12, 1 and 2, where the two points touch. Because right there really begins the discussion of how to live out our faith, which is worship. Worship is all that we say, think, and do. It doesn't just happen in this building. It happens in the classroom, in the home, in the cubicle, in the neighborhood. It happens everywhere. Now, we live in an age where people say, well, I just want to worship God in my own way. You know, I don't don't need theology to confuse me. I don't need anything. I I just need to worship God the way I feel like worshiping him. I was in a church about 15 years ago, and the pastor would set aside five minutes in every service for people to worship God in their own way. And he'd reach that point before he preached, and he'd say, now take five minutes and worship God in your own way. And it was pandemonium. It was total confusion. Everybody did their own thing. And for some, it was a little unnerving. Was that worship? And do we really have the liberty and the freedom to worship God the way we feel like it? In other words, is there a right way and a wrong way to worship God? Does God care? Does God care how we worship him? And I think to give you a a short answer to that question before we dive into Romans, let's dive into Leviticus, everybody's favorite book of the Bible. In Leviticus chapter 10, 1 through 6, we have the story of Nadab and Abihu. When you hear that, you go, Abihu? Well, that's his name. Who are these guys? These guys were high priests. They weren't high priests. They were priests under Aaron, who was the high priest. And they decided to kind of do their own thing. And so we have the story here in verses 1 through 6 in English and in Espanol. Now, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took a censer, it's kind of a plate, and put fire in it and laid incense on it, incense on it, and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, 
which he had not commanded them. And fire came down from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, that's their father, this is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be set apart. I will be sanctified. But for all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. In other words, Aaron didn't complain. And Moses called Mishael and Elazaphan and the sons of Uzael, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, come near, carry your brothers away from the front of the sanctuary out of the camp. So they came near and they carried them in their coats out of the camp, as Moses said. And Moses said to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithamar, his sons, do not let the hair of your heads hang loose and do not tear your clothes lest you die. And the wrath come upon the, all the congregation, but let your brothers, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning that the Lord has kindled. And what happened there was this. God had given away that he wanted to be worshipped. These two guys did it their own way and he incinerated them. And then the congregation was told and their parents were told, do not, do not show grief because God wants to be set apart. He wants to be honored. And those who do not do so, do so at their own peril. That's what's going on there. So what has that all got to do with us? Well, we live in the age of grace. We're not living under a martial law in, uh, the, in the Exodus. But what it kind of indicates to us is, is that, you know, we need to be careful how we worship God. We need to be careful, thoughtful, deliberate in our approach to worship. And judging by this passage and others from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, there is a right way and a wrong way to approach worship. So, so we come back to the question then, what is worship? How, how should we approach worship? Well, needless to say, we want to do so carefully and thoughtfully, but how? Well, as we continue this study in Romans, and since we are gathered here today in our unity service, I thought we'd take time to learn from Romans about the proper approach and the proper way to worship. So if you're joining us today, again, we normally have three services. Today, we have one. We normally have two in English and one in Spanish. Today, we have one big service, and we combine all these things into one meeting, but we are all, in all of our services, studying the book of Romans. And so we come into Romans 12, 1 and 2 today, and I'm going to read it to you uh, in English from the uh, in English Standard Version. But I've also prepared a separate translation that I feel is, reflects better what the text says. And so we'll be using both of these translations in English. And I know Roberto has prepared translations in Spanish and also in the regular Spanish translation that you use. And so Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this in the ESV. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. There are many translation traditions, and most of them honor the King James to some extent. And uh, that's not a bad thing necessarily. King James is a good translation. In some ways, the ESV does that here. What I want to do instead is to give you a more literal translation. And it's pretty much the same, but there are some nuances that I think will serve us well today if we call attention to them and think about them. And so here's uh, what somebody called the KSV. That's the Keith Standard Version. And it says this. I urge you, therefore, brothers, through the mercies of God, to present your bodies 
a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your logical service. Do not be conformed to this age. The word there is age and not world. But change yourselves by the constant renewing of your mind that you can discover what is the good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Now, I understand we don't need another translation. We have so many Bible translations right now. But as you kind of take out the smooth flow of some of the better translations and just take a bumpy word-for-word translation, this is what you see. We, some translations say spiritual service of worship. Some say your reasonable service of worship. But the word there is actually logical. This is your logical service. And it doesn't say don't be conformed to this world. It says don't be conformed to this age. And living in the 20th century, 21st century, I think nothing could be more appropriate than to become more literal here. And what we want to do today from this passage is to define what worship is, is to derive and distill how we should approach, to wor- how we should approach worship, how, and even define the idea of worship. And as you look at this passage, and I'm going to roughly base our outline on this, you see that when we come to Christ, our worship is changed in three ways. It's, it, it's changed in, in the sense of how the motive with which we approach God. It's changed in terms of the means by which we relate to God through worship. And it changes the method by which we approach worship. So let's, let's examine this together. Because, you know, when you think about it sometimes, worship in the 21st century, particularly among the unbelieving world and the pagan world, is sort of a give-to-get thing. If I do this for God, I'll get this back. But worship in the Bible is not a give-to-get. It's a give-to-give. And it really comes through powerfully in our passage today. So let's talk about three aspects of worship so that we can know how to worship rightly. How do we rightly approach worship? Well, first and foremost, we consider the motive for our worship. We ask ourselves, what's my motive? What should my motive be? What is the motive for worship? Some of you have heard me say before, right thinking leads to right attitudes, actions, words, and deeds. That's what's going on here. Right thinking. What should our motive be for worshiping God? What should drive us to it? And you get a clue in Romans 12, 1a, and the first few words of Romans 12, 1. What does it say? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Or you could translate it this way. I urge you, therefore, brothers, through the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your logical service. When we are brought into right relationship with God, when we are saved, when we are rescued, when we are born again because of what Christ has done for us, we're grateful. Our relationship with God has changed. We are no longer enemies of God, but if children, and if children heirs, and if heirs co-heirs with Jesus Christ. And this is because of what God has done for us, making us alive in Christ. And therefore, we live lives of gratitude. We live lives of gratefulness in response to the mercies of God. Worship is a response to the mercies of God fueled by logic and reason, not merely sentiment or emotion. I urge you, therefore, brothers, through the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your logical service. As I mentioned earlier, some translations say spiritual service of worship or reasonable service of worship or reasonable service, and they all get the essence. 
But the word there is logikos, from which we get the English word logic, and which you get the Spanish word logico. Hopefully I pronounced that relatively well. And our response to God is our logical, is the logical outworking of our thankfulness. When you are thankful, when you are grateful, you express it. And when you look at this passage, it's an amazing thing because here's Paul who describes himself as having been the prince of sinners, a persecutor of the church who is reaching out to this church in Rome and calling them to have an attitude of gratitude toward God given all that God and Christ has done for them. And you know, when you think about it, the mercies of God, as we've worked our way through Romans chapter 1 through 11, we understand that our salvation isn't a result of human effort or exertion. But in Romans 9, 16, it's all about God who has mercy and not about us. So our relationship with God, our worship, our presence here today is one that should be marked and fueled, driven by an attitude of gratitude in response to all that God and Christ has done for us. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? Romans 3.23. And we know the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what we studied in Romans 6.23. And we studied in Romans 8.1 that there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so we come to this key verse here in Romans 12.1. I urge you, therefore, brothers... By the mercies of God, through the mercies of God, in light of the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your logical service. It makes sense, doesn't it? Given that God has done so much for us, that we would love him and worship him selflessly. Worship is our logical and grateful response to God's mercy. It is our motive. His mercy is the motive for our worship. It motivates us, it drives us to our knees in prayer and thanksgiving because God has demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Romans 5, 8, Christ died for us. And all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Those are the mercies of God described in Romans 10, 13. And because God is so gracious, we respond to him with thanksgiving and gratitude and worship. It's only logical. This is our motive of worship. Gratitude, that was aspect number one. Consider the motive for worship, gratitude. Why do we worship God? Gratitude, thankfulness. Let's consider our second aspect. The second aspect of worship, the second reason for worship, the second approach to worship, and you see that here. Consider the means of worship. With the change in relationship is a change in means. And I'll explain that in a few moments. Our means of worship changes as we have entered into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Consider the means of worship. Look again with me at Romans 12.1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. How are we to worship? By what means? By what means do we worship? The passage tells us clearly, doesn't it? We give our whole person to the enterprise. We give our whole person to God. We give it back to God as an act of worship. We devote ourselves to him in our entirety. The reference here in the language points back to the book of Leviticus. The word service there is a very particular word that was in the Greek translation of the Old Testament called the Septuagint. And it speaks to a ritualistic, faithful 
worship activity, a regular worship activity. We are regularly giving our bodies ritually to God. And when I say ritually, I'm not talking about some mindless, empty repetition of some sacrament repeated over and over again. No, this is something driven by our will, by our gratitude, by our thanksgiving. It's not the meaningless activities of man-made religion. Ritual was originally defined and understood as an ongoing, regular practice of devotion to God. And therefore, think of worship as a process that is continual, that is ongoing, that is 24-7, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. I urge you, therefore, brothers, through the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. You see, worship isn't merely an event that takes place once a week or that took place in the temple periodically. It was an ongoing thing. It was an ongoing process. It wasn't carnal. It wasn't common. It was special because the people of Israel presented something very costly as a bull or a lamb or whatever it was repeatedly to God in thanksgiving for what he had done and was doing for them. That's why it talks about a living sacrifice. And here the language is kind of interesting because normally when you sacrifice something, you kill it and it's done, it's dead. But we are living, breathing, ongoing sacrifices, holy, set apart to God, given over to God continually as a process of worship, as an aspect of our existence. Worship is what we do. Horses were meant to run, birds were meant to fly, fish were meant to swim, and Christians were meant to worship. And we do so logically, thoughtfully, willfully. This gets back to worshiping God, not in our own way, but in a way that he calls us to. We don't want to be like Nadab and Abihu. We want to be what God wants us to be. We want to approach him. We want to honor him. We want to serve him. We want to worship him in a way that is acceptable to him as beings, as human beings set apart to him, holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, given over to him. A lot of times as human beings, fallen, broken human beings, we procrastinate. But in this text, worship is urgent. We're given our whole body. That's who we are. We're giving our whole person as a living sacrifice. We're presenting our bodies, everything that's contained in our earth suit as a living sacrifice, which is acceptable to God, which is being transformed and renewed to the image of his son, which is being conformed to his will and not our own, acceptable to God. Worship isn't something we do haphazardly. Nadab and Abihu have showed us that. Ananias and Sapphira have shown us that. But you know what? Paul shows us that in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 when he talks about the preparation, the thoughtful, deliberate, careful preparation that we go through as we approach the Lord's table at communion, holy and acceptable to God, making sure that we have confessed our sin, that we have rethought our lives, that we're trying to be conformed to the image of his son rather than to the image of the culture. And the means of worship is a giving of ourselves. God gave us his son. Jesus gave his life for us. And we should only give back to him a fraction of all the innumerable blessings that we, that we can. We can't ever repay the debt, but we can worship him in a way that honors him every day in every way with our mind, with our lips, with our lives, 
with our bodies. That's the kind of worship he wants. Jesus told the woman at the well, God wants those who worship him in spirit and in truth, totally given over to him. This means worship is an all-in commitment to honoring God with our whole persons. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408 269 4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening.